三。You're tuning in to Don't Sleep New York, a podcast for the New Yorker who wants to stay up on policy and politics in the city that never sleeps. My name is Arpon, and today I'm joined by a special guest, Billy Richling. Now, fun fact, back when this podcast was just an idea, Billy and I spent hours brainstorming, writing, and recording, which eventually led to the Don't Sleep New York you're hearing in its current form. And although Billy is not producing the podcast with us, he continues to be a great friend and an amazing resource on local New York City politics. So we decided to bring him in today's bonus episode to talk about an item you might see on the bottom half of your primary election ballot. State committee, or more commonly referred to as district leaders. Billy, tell me a little bit about yourself and your background before we jump into things. Yeah, for sure. Um, I used to work as a reporter for a local news website called Brooklyner, uh, where I covered Brooklyn politics along with real estate and all other sorts of things. Um, Right now, I am the communications director for a local political club called the Brooklyn Young Democrats. Um, I'm also involved in a bunch of other local clubs and and civic organizations. I used to serve on my local community board, and I've I've, uh, volunteered and worked with a number of of local political campaigns. Awesome. Cool. So, for listeners, they they know that we've covered the the primary race that we're we're leading up to in a few days, uh, but today we wanted to kind of give a little bit of insight on one of the items that's a little bit further down on the ballot, which is state committee uh, or district leaders. Um, now I know that district leaders are a big big part of the initiatives that Brooklyn can't wait is talking about is running. So uh, wanted to bring you in to just shed a little bit more light for our listeners on what are district leaders, what is state committee, um, why is this on the ballot, and why is it important? So let, let's kind of start with the basics on this one. What is state committee? Yeah, so you're right. In addition to the elected positions for government office on uh, Democratic ballots uh, this primary season, folks will see Uh, in many districts, uh, uh, a race for state committee. Um, And what that is, is it's not actually a government position. It's a position within the local Democratic Party. So the Democratic Party as a structure, there's a national party, there's state level parties. And then in New York, the sort of most local level of the Democratic Party is the county party. Um, And Brooklyn is Kings County. So there's the Brooklyn Democratic Party. And there are 42 uh, what are known as district leaders um, that make up the executive committee, sort of the, the top leadership body of the local Democratic Party. There's two in each assembly district, uh, a male and a female district leader. Um, we could talk more about why that is later. Um, on the primary ballot, um, you'll see them called state committee members uh, because they also serve on the New York State Democratic Committee, which is a governing body within the state party. So it's a little complicated, but really what you need to know is the district leaders there unpaid positions, um, but they play a major role in choosing judi- judicial candidates, so the peop- the judges that appear on your ballots. Uh, they staff the New York City Board of Elections. They write the rules uh, and policies that govern the Brooklyn Democratic Party. Uh, and they also elect the party chair or the party boss uh, who determines the party's priorities and how money is spent supporting candidates and doing other work. So 
all of those district leaders, all 42 of them, um, they're up for election every other year, every even numbered year in the primary. Um, but many people have actually never even heard of them because they don't appear on the ballot unless someone challenges them. And for a long time, most district leaders went unchallenged. They were sort of picked by party leadership and, and won in uncontested elections. But that's different this year. And why why is this year so important for the district leader race? Yeah, so to answer that, it's important to understand that, that uh, the Brooklyn Democratic Party... Um, you know, in my opinion, in the opinion of, of uh, many of the folks I organize with and work with, uh, is not a well-run institution. Um, it's actually facing major problems with corruption and cronyism uh, and dysfunction. The party leadership really spends more time and money sort of protecting incumbents from primary challengers than it does, for example, fighting Republican candidates or, or conservative causes. And, you know, that may sound trivial in, in deep blue Brooklyn, but actually... Brooklyn lost a city council seat to Republicans just last year in Southern Brooklyn. Um, in that same election cycle, Republicans successfully uh, defeated ballot proposals that would have made voting easier and more successful. These were proposals that the Democratic Party ostensibly supported, but because they did so little to organize and get out voters for these, propo these progressive proposals lost. Um, but the Brooklyn Democratic Party is the biggest county Democratic Party in the country. There's over a million registered Democrats in the borough. So there's a lot of potential activism there. Um, but what's happening right now is that the party is sort of run in this backdoor, uh, uh, you know, men in a room or people in a room way. Um, you know, another thing they do that's really important is, is district leaders often pick judges and judicial candidates. Um, but the way this system works now is that it's sort of, it's a pay to play system. So um, if you've ever wondered why, you know, when you're voting for a judge, a judicial position and it'll the ballot says pick three candidates and there are only three candidates to pick. Um, that's because those are the candidates who have been endorsed by the local Democratic Party. Often they've 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 received those endorsements because of political con financial contributions they've made to the party, to local political clubs, to other elected officials' campaigns. Um, so it really has nothing to do with sort of fairness or equity or the ability of the judges. Um, it's a pay-to-play system. And if you're concerned about mass incarceration, criminal justice reform, the people who are running our courtrooms, you should care about the people who are putting those judges there. Uh, and when we don't have a fair system to pick judges, you know, we're perpetuating inequality. Um, the last thing I'll say is that, you know, as the biggest party in the country, it's incumbent upon the Brooklyn Democratic Party to sort of set the standard for Democrats across the country. But if you Google, if you do a Google news search for Brooklyn Democratic Party, you'll just see story after story of forged signatures, backroom deals, low level corruption. People who want to get involved in the party as activists and organizers are often systematically excluded and disrespected. The party will use lawsuits and, and complex sort of parliamentary maneuvers to prevent reformers to, and to consolidate power amongst leadership. You know, and the end effect and the end result of this is that people have sort of little faith in their, their party system and little faith in government. Voter turnout in New York City is incredibly low. Um, and district leaders can be folks who get out the vote, who engage voters, who get people into activism. Um, but they don't do that right now. Yeah, and I, that, that brings up an interesting point. Like, as a voter, beyond choosing or voting for a district leader, how do I interact with a district leader? How, you know, what, what does that 
in an ideal world, what does that look like? Yeah, I mean, in an ideal world, your district leader is out and about in the community. They're active on social media. Um, they have a website and a platform with contact information where you can easily reach them. You know, I articulated some of the basic powers that the district leader has, and some of them are very important, you know, like controlling and staffing the Board of Elections, which is another institution that's constantly suffering from corruption and poor management. But really, these folks can make the position whatever they want it to be. And the folks who I think are really successful are ones who, who use it as a platform for community organizing, for community service. Um, you know, there were district leaders who organized food drives and, and other resource distribution channels during the pandemic. Um, but many of the leaders currently backed by the party and that have close relationships with party leadership are often no-shows. They're impossible to find. It's hard to find any information about them, even if you're an active, educated, engaged uh, voter and, and civic participant. Um, and that's one of the things uh, the Brooklyn Can't Wait initiative, which is a, a partnership between a few local political clubs, including the Brooklyn Young Democrats, which I'm a member of, uh, are working to change. Awesome. So tell me about, you know, Brooklyn Can't Wait and, and you know, what are the candidates that they're endorsing? What, what, what are the qualities that, that you're looking for? Yeah. So um, like I mentioned, you know, many of the incumbent district leaders have literally never faced a serious challenger. They were sort of picked by the party and put in the position often by appointment. Some of them were never elected. Um, and so really any sort of any candidate with like a clear vision and a, and a strong set of roots in their district has a decent chance of winning. Um, all of the candidates that are backed by the Brooklyn Can't Wait Coalition um, have committed to to a platform of reform, and that means doing things like, uh, you know, technical nerdy things like reforming the proxy system so that the party chair doesn't control thousands of votes when they're choosing how rules work. Uh, they've committed to transparency, uh, public communications, holding more meetings, getting rank and file Democrats involved and engaged, and organizing their their communities, their districts. These these district leaders are voted. Uh, within the same districts as assembly members. So there are tens of thousands of voters in every assembly district, and many of them, you know, have little to no idea about what's going on in their communities politically, and district leaders can really be uh, activists and a hub for community organizing. How, how do I find out, first of all, what district I'm in and who my district leaders are currently or, you know, who I should be voting for? How do I find out who Brooklyn Can't Wait is even backing? Yeah, that's a great question. So to find out what district you're in, um, you can go to nycvotes.org. Um, you can also go to the State Board of Elections website. You should know that uh, New York State went through a redistricting cycle this year. And although the assembly district lines themselves didn't change so, so much, um, you may be in a different district than you were before. So that's important to know. To check out the slate of candidates that Brooklyn Can't Wait has endorsed, you can go literally to brooklyncantwait.com and you'll see a list of candidates. Uh, and we've got bios and links to their website so you can learn more about them and also their sort of specific policy proposals and platforms. Many of them are thinking about interesting things that are specific to the districts they're in, whether it's Brownstone, Brooklyn, or the southern part of the borough or elsewhere. Brooklyn Can't Wait has endorsed a slate of, of over 20 candidates. So depending on where you live, there's a very high chance that we, we're backing a, sl a slate of reformers. And you can also learn more, you know, <laughs> you can go to the Brooklyn Democratic Party's own website, brooklyndems.com, um, to see who your district leaders are currently. But I would not recommend trying to reach out to any of the district leaders listed on their website because the, con the contact form does not work. The contact form on the Brooklyn Democratic Party website? On the, the official Brooklyn Democratic Party website does not work. <laughs> okay. And I guess that's kind of case in point for everything you just said 
uh, about the status of the party today and where we want to take it, you know, tomorrow. Yeah, and I think it's important to understand, you know, again, when you're in a place that is such a, a heavily democratic county like Brooklyn, um, it may seem like the party is sort of this irrelevant thing or a Democrat's always going to win. And so who cares? Um, and although it's true that, you know, county parties don't have the same power that they used to back in the Tammany Hall era when these party machines were incredibly lucrative and, imp and important, um, the party still can have a real impact on how elections play out, um, both in terms of like Democratic primaries, they'll endorse candidates sometimes, they'll often actively fight more progressive uh, or left-wing candidates in favor of, of centrist or establishment uh, candidates that they've endorsed. But in an ideal world, I think the Brooklyn Democratic Party can really serve as like a hub for activating and organizing. Um, you know, we haven't really even talked about, there's another part of the party called the county committee, which is the rank and file membership of the party. It's made up of literally thousands of, of uh, county committee members who represent an area of just a few square blocks. Uh, and these are the sort of people that are, are engaged and can talk to their neighbors, get them out to vote. Um, but for decades, almost half of the nearly 5,000 seats on this committee have been just vacant. They're just empty, and the party has made no, no effort to fill them um, because the party is more focused on sort of centralizing power amongst its leadership than act actively engaging the Brooklyn uh, rank-and-file Democrats. And so, you know, if you're frustrated about the Democratic Party at any level of government, if you've wondered why it always seems sort of ineffectual or limp or uh, unexciting and unex uninspiring, that really starts at the local level. And even if you're in sort of deep blue Brooklyn, you can have a real impact on the future of the Democratic Party uh, by getting engaged in some of these district leader and county committee races. Amazing. Just kind of uh, throwing a nod back to something you had said earlier. Why are we voting for a male and female counterpart in 2022? Is that a really progressive thing on the ballot or is it actually regressive to be, you know, kind of carving out the ballot that way? Yeah, it's a great question and, and one that has actually uh, been at the center of some intra-party fights in the last few years. The provision to designate an explicit male and female district leader um, was instituted in, in the sort of middle of the 20th century. And at the time, it was meant to be a progressive reform. It was meant to get more women involved in politics and ensure that there were seats for women in the party. Um, obviously, as both our understanding of... <laughs> Of, um, of gender identity has evolved and as the, the demographics of the party have evolved and the demographics of, of activists and, and uh, party officials in Brooklyn have changed, uh, there's a broad agreement that, that that system is sort of outdated and problematic. Um, actually, there was a lawsuit in uh, 2020 uh, in which non-binary candidates for county committee seats sued the state Democratic Party and, and demanded that the gender designations were removed. Um, the Brooklyn Democratic Party created a committee to discuss solutions. There was disagreement among party leadership and reformers about who should be on that and what it should look like. Um, the bottom line is that will change in the near future. Uh, and there's support for, for uh, non-gender specific party roles amongst both the establishment leadership and the reformers in the near future. But at least for this cycle, the male and female designations remain in place. Got it. Um, and then, you know, last question before we wrap up here. We talked a lot about, obviously, what's on the Brooklyn ballot, and, and I know that that's kind of your primary focus, but for any of our listeners who are outside of the borough of Brooklyn, is this something that's going to show up on the Manhattan ballot? Is this something that has an entirely different process in other boroughs? Is, is it you know unique to Brooklyn, or what's kind of the larger scope around district leadership? Sure. So the process 
is often slightly different in every county, um, but almost all the counties in New York City have some variation of a district leader. And, almost, and most of the boroughs of New York City have had some variation of, of an establishment party machine that sort of works behind the scenes to influence elections and local politics. Um, you know, it's interesting to note that in Manhattan, for example, there was a similar dynamic as far back as the 1980s when a wave of reform-minded candidates sort of took over the party and opened it up. And Brooklyn is sort of going through this, this similar dynamic now, and that's where this sort of fight between reformers and, and party leadership is most acute. And this is the election cycle where there's a, a real potential for change uh, or, or a real potential for reform-minded candidates to win a majority of these district leader seats. There are fledgling reform movements in other boroughs too, uh, and we'll have to see how that un- unfolds in the future. Um, unfortunately, it's sometimes hard to find information about these district leader candidates, and it's sort of case by case. But, but certainly be aware that, that if there is a competitive election uh, in your district, this, this, this state committee district leader role will appear on your ballot, and you should be prepared to, to do some research about who you want to vote for. You can actually view your sample ballot by going to the city's board, the city board of elections website. That's at vote.nyc. Uh, and if you type in your address, you'll be able to see a, a, an exact sample PDF of what your ballot will look like. And so you'll know if there's a district leader race and you'll be able to see the names of the candidates there. Amazing. Well, Billy, thank you so much for your time today, for your expertise and just, you know, shedding light on something that I think a lot of people would otherwise be kind of scratching their head on when they, they walk into the the voting booth um, in a couple of days. So uh, appreciate your time and your insights. And, um, you know, we're, we're happy to have you and, and hope to see you again on Don't Sleep New York. So that's our episode for today. And the last one we'll release before the primary election on June 28th. While the race for the governor's seat may seem like an open and shut case, The race for district leaders is still wide open. So look up your district, find out who's running for district leader in your community, and make an informed vote when you head to the polls. As we mentioned in our last episode, even after the first primary this year, Don't Sleep New York will continue recording episodes. So keep up to date with us by following at Don't Sleep NY on Twitter and Instagram. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on your podcasting platform of choice. It really helps us help more people like you get informed. The music you heard in this episode was provided by Brooklyn-based artist and producer, Jackery. We'll see you all in a few weeks. Until then, don't sleep.